Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everyone. Glad that you're here. And uh, I just want to wish all of you moms just a happy Mother's Day. And let me say, guys, if you didn't remember, it's too late now. Let me put it that way. But, uh, you know, I, I say happy Mother's Day, and I like to look at it this way. Uh, happy Unsung Heroes Day. Because uh, moms, you, the things that, that you do behind the scenes, just the sacrifice and uh, the ways that you just kind of keep everything together uh, behind the scenes that, that nobody real, really knows about. Uh, when uh, Donna and I, uh, when we had twins, uh, early on we were having this conversation just about the progression that most kids will take when it comes to their parents. And I told her, I said, for the first couple of years, uh, mom is like cool, okay? And, uh, and then they'll make a transition eventually, especially boys where it's like dad's cool and, and uh, mom may not be as cool at this point. Uh, and uh, so this will go on. I said, but then they'll get to a point where the light will go on and they'll realize, oh, yeah, it was mom the whole time. I mean, dad was clueless. Mom knew everything and she's the one who kind of kept it all together. And uh, that, that is really true. That could happen at age 17 or 20 or even, you know, into your 20s or whatever, especially when you have kids, you realize that. But, I mean, that is just really true. And so, moms, I, I just, I mean, the things that you do and just how awesome you are and the unsung heroes you are. So can we just give moms a round of applause and just thank you for all you do <clears throat> and, and all that good stuff. Well, recently I was doing some research on the world's longest detours. And for some reason, Australia just kept coming to the top. And uh, a couple years ago, there was actually, because of some brush fires, there was this, this highway in Australia, it's called the Erie Highway, uh, and it was closed. And, and this highway connects Western Australia to Southern Australia. And it's about a thousand mile stretch. And then when you, you, you typed into Google Maps uh, a different destination or diff alternative destination, they actually gave you this alternative route. I'm going to show you the picture of it right here, of what they gave you. And so uh, this part right here, the red, is actually uh, uh, the highway, and uh, that's about a 19-hour drive. Google Maps, because of the brush fires, gave you this baby right here to get to that same place. You know how long that was? 47 hours. Now that, my friends, is a detour. Now over the last couple of weeks, we've actually been doing a deep dive into this whole idea of detours. And we've been saying our lives are, is, that never works into a straight line. That instead, our lives are a series of detours. And we don't like detours. I mean, we don't like them when we're driving, especially imagine if you had, you had to take that detour. And we especially don't like detours when they intersect with our lives. Because for the most part, Detours change the direction of our lives. But as we've gone through this series, we have been looking at uh, detours in a very different way. And we have been looking at a definition of detours that, that I just love, and this definition of detours is meant to begin to get us to help us step back and to see detours not necessarily as a bad thing, but actually a very good thing. And this definition was given to us by uh, a guy named Ashley Woodridge, who is a pastor of a great church in Phoenix, Christ Church of the Valley. And so here, here's the definition that Ashley gives of detours. 
A detour is a change in our plans, which right there is enough. It's like, okay, my plans are my plans. Don't mess with my plans. And so it's already, uh-oh, a change, which we often don't like, that God uses. And so that's what we're, we're talking about through this series. How can that actually be? And then he uses to develop our character. Now we looked at that week one. We're going to dig more into that today. And competency. Once again, we're going to dig more into that today. So we can arrive at a better destination, which we don't see up front or we're in the middle of it. It's like, okay, this is all bad. But this is a better destination. And then if, and this is the big if, okay? And then here's the goal of the whole series. If we allow him to do that in our lives. And so this is not just about how to, how to survive detours. This is how to thrive, thrive in detours so we can arrive at that better destination, whatever God's better destination is for us. And the way that we've been doing that is we've been looking at the life of a guy named Joseph. And if you look at Joseph's life, you will see that he has some of the twists and turns that he took in his life. I mean, they are so challenging and they are so painful when you really think about him. But if there's anyone who's an expert in this whole thing, it is our man, Joseph. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the third detour, or as I look at it as, as 2B. Because when you look at last week, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, when you look at last week, this detour is really an outflow of last week's detour. And last week we learned that, that our guy Joseph, he is wrongly accused of trying to rape his boss's wife. And as a result, he gets thrown in jail for trying to do the right thing. And so here's how the writer of Genesis describes Joseph and his situation. Here, here's what the writer of Genesis says. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was, of all things, with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of all people, the prison warden. And so we see Joseph is in jail for doing the right thing. And the writer says, and the Lord was with him. It's kind of like we read that and we go, no, 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 no. The Lord wasn't with him. The Lord has abandoned him. Because if the Lord was with him, he wouldn't have even sniffed jail. And he definitely wouldn't know the prison warden or be able to say that he had favor with the prison warden. But it's this idea right here, that God was with Joseph in prison, that this is such a big challenge for us. Because when a detour hits our lives, and it puts us in a financial or a relational, maybe it's even a physical or a career prison, I mean, we're like, if, if this was happening to me, you know, if God was with me, this wouldn't be happening to me right now. But as we see in Joseph's story, that no one is exempt from pits or prisons. And when they come our way, and they're going to come our way, God hasn't abandoned us. Just like Joseph, he is with us. Which is easier to understand when you're on the other side of the detour. But it's very challenging, and this is what we're digging into this series. It's very challenging when we're right in the middle of the detour. And this is where we pick things up today with our, our guy Joseph. He is in the middle of of this detour, and here's how his story begins to unfold. <clears throat> it says, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who's Pharaoh, offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put him in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Now, we hear cupbearer and baker, and we think, oh, those guys must have been low on the totem pole. But I want you to think the equivalent of the secret service for Pharaoh. You see, back then, everybody was trying to knock off Pharaoh because they, they wanted his position. And so these two, they protected his food, and they protected his drink, so he wouldn't get knocked off. And so these two guys, they were in his inner circle. 
but they do something, and we're not told, told what they do, but you don't want to make Pharaoh mad because when Pharaoh's mad, he gets really mad. And he decides to throw them in jail, and not just any jail, the exact same jail as our guy Joseph. And then the story continues. It says, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. And what's interesting about Joseph's story is he gets promoted in prison. I bet you didn't think he'd get promoted in prison, but Joseph gets promoted in prison uh, to the point where actually the warden assigns him to Pharaoh's leading officials. And then the story continues. It says, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Now, we tend to gloss over this whole exchange, but this is a very significant exchange in Joseph's life. Because if you remember in week one, we got to, we got to be introduced to 17-year-old Joseph. And 17-year-old Joseph, he didn't care and wasn't aware of anything or anyone that was going on around him. The only thing that Joseph cared about was me, myself, and I. If he was casting MVP votes, it definitely wouldn't be for mom. It would be all for him. And remember that his brothers were furious at him. He didn't care. He wasn't aware of that whole thing. And so we just see Joseph at 17, and this is where he's at. But now we fast forward, and Joseph's 28 years old at this time. And, and we see a completely different person. He sees these two guys that, that are in jail. They're dejected. Something is wrong. And he actually notices them. And he goes over to him. He's like, hey, man, I mean, you know, what, what's going on? I mean, what's the problem? And so we see Joseph is starting to see that there's more to life than just him. Now, why does that matter? And why is that important? Because this means that Joseph is growing. And as we've looked at throughout this series, some of the reason that detours are in our life are for our growth and for our development. And this is what we see going on in Joseph's life now. Now, I want you to keep that in mind as we look at what happens next. It says, now this is the cupbearer and the baker talking. We both had dreams, they answered, but no one can interpret them. So here's what's going on in these two guys' life. They're experiencing their own detour. None of them thought they would be in prison because they had always been in the palace. And so they have this dream, and for, for some reason that they know that this dream is connected to why this is actually happening to them. But, but they're frustrated because they can't make sense of it, and no one else can make sense of it for them. My guess would be that this is where some of you are in your detour right now. And one of the reasons that you're so frustrated is because no one can make sense of why this is happening to you and what this is all about. I mean, you've maybe even come to church and you still can't make sense of it. But listen to what our guy Joseph says to them. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. Do not interpretations belong, and understand, not just dream interpretations, but interpretations of why this is all happening around you. Don't they belong not to your horoscope, not to a mystic, not to your feelings, not to your political party. Don't they belong to God? Which kind of makes sense when you think about it. Because if he's allowing the detour, I mean, wouldn't it kind of make sense when we're in the middle of it that we would begin to ask him because he would probably be able to help us see the larger picture of what's going on? But the reality is, very few of us ever go there 
at all. Instead, we go to everything and everyone else. And so I want to hit the pause button a minute on our guy Joseph's story. And what I want to do is I want to take a look at his detour and where he's at now. And I just want to pull three things that we learn from all detours. And these three things will help us navigate any detour, no matter how painful it might be if it comes into our life. And so once again, this is universal sort of thing. That's true for every single one of us and our detour. Here's principle number one we learned. This is that your circumstances must be interpreted through God's lens, must be interpreted through God's perspective. You know, I, I don't know if this is just me, but do any of you struggle with taking other people's perspective into account when they're different than, than your perspective? Any of you struggle with that? I mean, I, I struggle with that, to be honest with you, and I think a part of that, I mean, at the root cause, is I, I just love control. And the other part of that is, is it just, you know, things make sense to me, and then when someone has a different perspective that doesn't make sense to me, then that doesn't make sense to me, and I don't like it when it doesn't make sense to me. Anyone else kind of struggle with that whole idea? Well, one of the, the areas where this really played out in my life uh, was in marriage. And uh, if you're married, you're going like, just keep quiet now. That's all the men are saying right now. But I'm going to go there, okay, guys? So when Don and I first got married, uh, I, I'm telling you, it was, uh, it, I was just blown away at just how different my perspective was than Donna's perspective. And so we, we, you know, we married early on, you know, we would have discussions, you know, and, uh, you know, we're talking and I just kind of walk away and I would go, woman, I wouldn't say that out loud. Okay. That's for personally inside. I go, I go, woman. I mean, like what in the world, man? I mean, wow, woman. I mean, what planet are you from? They ought to write a book about men and women being on different planets because it was like, wow, you know, it was just completely different. And, uh, you know, if she was up here, you know, she would, in all, in all fairness, she would say the same thing about me, but we're not going to allow her up here to do that, make me look bad. <laughs> but she would say the same thing, same thing about me. And see, so I was beginning to learn what science has, has shown us, and that is men and women think very differently, that we are designed very differently. You know, in many ways, the mind of a man is, is the way that we're designed is we have boxes, and so we have boxes for all these different categories of our life. You know, we have a hobby box and a career box, and we have a kid's box. We have a financial box, career box, relationship box, and you can just kind of keep going with, with the boxes. And we even have, of all things, a nothing box. So ladies, if you've ever said to a man before, if you've ever said, you know, what are you thinking about? And we said nothing, we mean it. I mean, we really do. That's our box. That's our nothing box that we're pulling out. And here's the, here's the other interesting thing about our boxes. Our, our boxes they don't touch each other. And so it's like we have to have them in this closet in our mind and they, like, they don't touch each other. So here's what we do. When we want to talk about something, we want to bring something out, we kind of go into our closet and we kind of bring that box out, you know, and we put that box in front of us and uh, then we talk about that box to death until we're right and get our way and all that stuff. And then what do we do? And then when we're done, we kind of shove that box back in the closet and then we just move on again. And that's just how, you know, as, as a man, that's just how most of our minds work. Now, ladies, you hear that and you're like, how do you think that way? I mean, you know, you guys are from a different planet. I mean, that's exactly what you think. And the reason you think that way is because your boxes are intertwined. There's actually a thread that connects your boxes. And so that's the way you think. I, one of the ways that this played out with, with Don and me, I, I can remember for, it took me a couple years to figure this out, you know, because once again, I'm you know, boxes, single box, all that stuff. And uh, so I would be like, hey, so, so honey, how are you doing? And she'd be, fine, fine. And here's the thing, 
she really wasn't fine, but she said she was fine. And so it was a really difficult thing. And, and once again, so it's this whole idea of, of we're just constantly, and I was constantly, and still am, just trying to learn to see things from her perspective. Now here's the point in this. Every healthy relationship requires that you fight to see things from the other person's perspective. Now let me connect this to God for a minute. Who invites us to connect with him relationally? How often do you try to consider things from God's perspective versus your own perspective? And my guess, most of us would say, I hardly ever do that. And the reason we don't do that is because we want God to think and respond and do the way, the way we do things. And when he doesn't, we often get mad at God. But I want you to listen to these words that were written in the Old Testament book of Isaiah talking about God's perspective on things. Here, here's, what, here's what Isaiah writes. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And so this is God speaking. And he's saying, Hey, I don't think anything the way you do. I don't respond anything the way you respond. And it's like, well, okay, okay, okay. But how big is the gap? You know, is it small gap, big gap? I mean, how, how big can this actually be? Well, he tells us. As the heavens are higher than the earth, and it's like, okay, that, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so how big is the gap? We are galaxies apart. So the way God sees things is that God sees things further out and he sees things much clearer than we do. We kind of live in the here and now and we see the here and now and just that part right here. But God sees the bigger picture and he sees all the things that he's trying to do in our life and how that's connected to the people around us and the broken world around us. And so when we're in a detour, one of the most important things and yet hardest things that we can do is step back in the middle of it and ask a very humbling question. And the reason I say it's a humbling question is because you have to already approach this with, I only see and know so much and God sees and knows way more and way differently than I know and see. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is the bigger picture, God, that you might be trying to do in this detour? And once again, it's, it takes a lot of humility to ask that question. And so the first thing we learn about detours is we tend to see them through our, our filter, which makes them very challenging and difficult, and we need to learn to change the filter on the whole thing. Second thing we learn about detours is in detours, we learn training for greater things always takes place in lesser things always takes place. You know that some of our detours that we go through are actually a test from God. Soon in our, in our, in our guy Joseph's story, he's going to be elevated from prison to palace. He's going to become the number two dude in the entire world. I mean, this is where God ultimately wants to take him, but he can't take him there yet because he's not ready. Because if he took him there early, he wouldn't be able to handle all that came with that position. And so he does his main development of Joseph of in all places, prison. And so we see that God is taking these seemingly lesser circumstances through in Joseph's life in prison, and he's using them to develop him so he can then grow him into the greater things that he wants to do in his life. And I think that's just really important for us. 
because how we respond to the lesser things in our life is actually a test for how we respond in the greater things. Now, if you, if you can look back on your life, which is what it's easier to do, once again, in the middle of it, very difficult to do. If you look back at some of the detours in your life, you should be able to see this very thing. Now, I, I can't tell you, looking back, how many times I've seen this. Uh, in week one, I told a story about how I was uh, uh, let go at a church, and uh, there was some, just some dishonest stuff that were part of that whole story and all that. And as a part of the job I had at that time, I got to oversee this ministry called Alpha, and we do it here. It's, it's a phenomenal ministry. It's where people who have questions about God, they can create, be in environments with other people in that same thing, and it just, it's just a great environment. One of the, one of the favorite things I've, I've gotten to do, honestly, uh, it, it, in my career. And so we had this Alpha course that we were running at the time. It was in week three. I think it was an 11-week course at the time. And so I get brought into the office, and they, you know, they told me, as they would always tell you, and they use church language when they do this, we feel like you're called to a new season of ministry. Okay, that's the way of saying you're out of here as far as that concerned. And so uh, they, you know, they, they do this, and uh, I'm sitting in there. And I said, hey, we have an Alpha course running. What's going to happen with that? Because we got a really large group that's going through it. And they were like, we haven't really thought about that. And so I'm driving home, and, and if you've ever been let go from a job, you know, you're just thinking through all sorts of things. And, and uh, one of the things that I was thinking about is that, that group that was, that was going, going through the Alpha program. I'm like, man, what, what do we do about that? And so for the next few days, I started calling some friends, and I, I was like, hey, I feel like uh, I need to go back and uh, finish that Alpha course and, and do it for free. And to a T, everyone's like, no, 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 don't do that. That's on them. Let them, you know, you know, ha have to deal with that stuff. If they didn't think about it, that's on them and all that stuff. But there was just this gnawing in me. I was like, I just, I, I just don't know if I can do that. So a few days later, I called up the church that fired me. And I said, hey, listen, um, I want to come back. And I just want to finish the Alpha course with the group. And I'll do everything that I, that I was doing that you were paying me for. And I'll do it for free. And they were like, what? I was like, yeah. So there, there are so many people that are far from God, they're just kind of investigating things. I said, I don't want them to get caught in the crossfire of what's going on in the church. And so I did. And it was very difficult to do, I'll be really honest with you. But I just, once again, I just felt like God had entrusted me these people and I needed to see that thing through. Now looking back years later, I can really see that God was testing me to see what I would do in a situation like that. Now, this whole idea of lesser to greater, Jesus talked about this a bunch. One time he said this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Now, we love the much. We love the more and we love the bigger. I mean, we love that. But God says, don't you dare ask God for more when you're not being faithful with the little that's in front of you, because God is a God of process. And so how we handle the little of whatever God puts in front of us matters to him. Let me ask you this question. How do you know what's in something? I mean, what's really in something, like a sponge? How do you know what's in a sponge? How do you know what's in a piece of fruit? How do you know? Well, here's how we know. We all know this. You squeeze it, right? And then what's really inside of it comes out of it. You know, I think sometimes we, we look at God and we look at life and we go, okay, I want the bigger and I want the more and kind of speed this up and this is what I want. But we assess our readiness very different than how God assesses our readiness for things. We look at our circumstances and we go, everybody else and I can and let's ready to go. But God assesses the, 
our circumstances were witnessed by the internal. That's why some of our detours, they are actually a test that God is seeing how we respond to it, but what's really inside of us. So let me ask you, what area in your life right now might God be testing you? You've been pushing back against it, and you've been complaining about it, but what, what area in your life might God be testing you? And what area in your life right now might God just be looking to see how you handle the situation? And here's why he's doing that. He is squeezing you. He is developing you. And I'm telling you, this is a good thing because this is the type of detour where God takes ordinary people like us and he uses it to do extraordinary things. Third thing about detours, we learn this, is that the length of the detour is often dependent on the speed at which we grow. The length of it is often determined by the speed, which is, this should make sense to us. Because if a detour is for our development, wouldn't the length of it be somewhat determined by the speed at which we're willing to submit to God during it? So here's our guy, Joseph. He's in a master's class of development in prison. And he's interpreted the, the dreams for the cupbearer and the baker, and he's given God credit for it, which he's probably never done in his life up to that point. And these guys, they actually get freed from prison. And here's what happens next in Joseph's story. It said when two full years had passed, meaning they had been out of jail for two years, now Pharaoh had a dream. And Joseph is 30, and Pharaoh has this dream. Now, we don't know how long Joseph has been in jail, but here's what we do know about Joseph's story. The length of the first detour that we looked at in week one and part of week two is much longer than this second detour that he's going through now. We know, we know about the first detour. It's probably in between 10 and 12 years. The second one, we think, is roughly two to three years. Why is that? Could it be that Joseph is now growing at a faster pace? He's beginning to see things differently now. He's beginning to see things through God's filter. And so, as a result, he's beginning to grow faster than he was when he was younger. As a result, he's maturing. Now, let me tell you, tell you why I think that is. Let me show you what happens in Joseph's story. So Pharaoh has this dream. No one can interpret it. And so the cupbearer, he's like, oh, you know, light switch goes on. Hey, there's this dude I met in prison. Remember, Pharaoh, you sent me there, and even though I didn't deserve to be there, but that's another story, Mr. Pharaoh. But he was able to actually interpret my dream. And so here's what happens. Pharaoh goes and gets Joseph. And Joseph stands before the most important person in the world. And understand, when Joseph is standing before him, he's in jail. And he thinks the rest of his life is going to be him in jail, and that's it. And so he's not only standing before the guy that can set him free, he's standing before the guy that can change the very direction of his life. And so it's like, okay, Mr. Joe, <laughs> you got one shot. Don't choke this away. I mean, if you have to make something up just to get out of there, Joe, you just do what you need to do to get yourself out of that prison. Do it, Joe. And so Pharaoh looks at him and says, hey, hey man, can you interpret dreams? And what he says here has the ability to either make him or break him. Here's what Joe says. I cannot do it. And it's like, <laughs> that's not how you lead, my man. That's not how you start. In an interview, you would never say, I cannot, all right? But this is, this is what Joe, I can't do it. I can't do it. 
but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And it's like you hear Joseph say that, you're going like, no, 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 dude, dude, you blew it. You blew it. Because what Joseph was doing is, is he was telling someone who thinks he's a God about God. He was saying, hey, I just want you to know my God is bigger than you. It's like, Joe, man, you blew it. But this is how developed now Joseph is in in his life. And I wonder, would the 17-year-old, the 20, the 25-year-old Joseph, would he have responded in the same way? I don't know, but I don't think so. But here's what I do know. For all of us, God's not going to take us to that better destination that we have been talking about until we are fully ready for it. Until we're fully ready emotionally and relationally and spiritually and financially, he's not going to take us there. And you know why that is? Because if he did, we would not be ready for it. I don't know what detour you are going through right now. I don't know how, how painful it may be. But let me ask you, are you growing in and through it or are you grumbling in and through it? Or a better way of saying it, you've probably heard this said before, I didn't come up with these words. You can either go through a valley or you can grow through a valley. And we see that's what Joseph did and that's his story and God was in the growth because that's why they were there. And you know what? His story is our story and we have that choice and hopefully we pick that because as we grow we see that God is actually leading us somewhere. I want to wrap up by talking to three groups of people here and I would bet these three groups would encompass a good good chunk of the people here but if you happen not to be in one of these three groups you just need to know that what I talk about I guarantee you you will be able to take some things and apply this to your life. Three groups of people. The first group I want to talk to are those of you who have the gift of singleness. Now, some of you go like, that's not a gift, Mark. I'm like, yeah, in the New Testament, they actually call it the gift of singleness. You have this gift, <laughs> and you want to give this gift to someone else. I mean, that's kind of where you are right now in your life, all right? You want to give that gift away because you want to have someone else. You don't want to be single anymore in your life. Listen, if that's you, here's the advice that, that I just I want to give you. Would you be willing during this season to remain faithful and to grow like crazy? And, and the reason I say that is because you're going to have a tendency, and it's just natural, okay, because you're going to have desires. It's okay to have these desires. You're going to want your desires to lead you to the ultimate goal, because if you think this is the ultimate goal, is to have someone else. Once again, nothing wrong with those desires. But let your goal not be to find someone else. Let your goal be to grow in your faith during this time. And I'm telling you, if you do that, I can promise you something. God will do amazing things in your life. And the reason I can promise you that is because this is what we see in our guys, Joseph, Joseph's life. That God is more concerned with our, the development of our character than our comfort. And if for some reason you decide to circumvent this growth season and you decide because you just have to do it that you're going to pick any woman or any man off the heap, you know, and like, okay, they breathe and he's got a heartbeat, you know, that'd be good, you know. And so you kind of bring them in. And if, if you decide to do that, listen, here, here's what you need to know. You risk setting your life back years. Because if you don't, if you don't grow, you settle. And when you settle, that means you will settle for less of a person that God has 
for you. Because the person that God wants you to grow into, that person that you want is not going to be attracted to you at that time. And so would you be willing, and it's hard and it's difficult, but would you be willing to just really lean into this season and grow like crazy? The second group that I want to talk to is, are those of you who are married, but your marriage is in a really bad spot. I mean, it is really tough at home, and, uh, you know, you don't even talk soulmate. I mean, you're barely roommates as far as that's concerned. And if that's you, may I just give you two pieces of advice? The first piece of advice is this. Would you be willing to kind of just, you know, shove the pride away and shove trying to be right away and shove all that, that away for a minute? And would you be willing to try to see things from your spouse's perspective? Now, if it's really bad, here's the problem. You can't really do that well. And so this leads me to my second piece of advice. You need a third party to help you do that and to do that well. Because if you could do it, you would already be doing it. And so may I encourage you to do this. Would you be willing to have the courage to see a Christian counselor together? Now, we have a, a, a group of Christian counselors that, that we partner with here, that we vet it. And so if that's you, would you have the courage to head to the Next Steps room after this, ask one of the Next Steps teammates, and, th and they will give you a list that you can take with you. And, and here's the thing. People think like seeing counseling is shameful. It is not a shame to see counseling. I see counseling. And God has used it so much to bring healing in, into my own life. And I'm telling you, if you begin to give this to God and to see that process through, he can do the same thing for you final group, are those of you who are struggling in your career right now. And you're frustrated because you see all these people and they're, they're, they're getting promoted and they're making more and they seem to be more successful and they seem to be more happy and you're working and everything is bypassing you and you're just frustrated right now. Might it be that God is going, why would I give you more when you aren't being fully faithful with the less that I'm giving you? And so would you be willing to stop looking around at everything else and be faithful with what's in front of you right now? That this actually might be a time for you to trust God, that God during this time is actually doing some things during this hard season for you that you don't even realize. So I don't know what detour you're going through, but may I encourage you to do this. Would you be willing, and this is a wrestling thing, okay? Would you be willing to begin to see things through God's perspective. And it's different because, you know, we think we know and we got all the answers and all that stuff, and it takes great humility. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Why don't you just start asking God and begin to wrestle with God through that? And then would you be willing to just be faithful and be great with the little that God has in front of you? And don't fight God during this season. Because I'm telling you, if you do, you'll begin to discover that God is really doing something inside of you. He's moving you somewhere. And you begin to see that it is actually a better destination, that if you continue to go through that better destination, he's going to do even greater things through you. And that's a story you just don't want to miss. Let me pray for us. Father, this whole detours thing, um, it's tough. It's tough. When we're in the middle of it, we just don't see, and there's so much emotion, and God, there's change. There's just a lot there. Uh, Father, I would pray that right now that we would have the humility and the courage to go, maybe I just see and know very little that there's more going on. God, would you help me to see what's going on? And Father, as we look at things, as we would take the, the, what we think is not enough, 
or, or too small or too little and we're looking at others and we say, well, I deserve and I wish, may we just hit the pause button and go, God, I am going to be faithful and I'm going to be great. I'm going to honor you with whatever you have put in my path. And may we just trust you with that. Where does that lead? I don't know. But here's what I do know. It opens us up, opens us up for you trusting us with more. And Father, uh, as we look at just kind of the, the detour itself, may we get really good at submitting to you. And I, I don't know what, what that speed or the length looks like. I don't understand all that stuff. I just know that you're moving us somewhere. And that's what we want. And God, uh, and so would you just kind of help us wrestle through that as we continue to wrestle through this series together and trust you really are moving us and doing something. And none of this is outside of your care and your trust. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.